Design has been changing a lot in the last few years, this past year especially. Today, we're here with Impulse Creative's very own design guru, Jeffrey Lewis, to talk about the evolution of design, what people are wanting to see in their next website refresh, some key takeaways for quick design wins, and more. So sit back and get ready for some inspiration. Women face unique challenges, from glass ceilings at work to everyday personal stressors. The Maiden Voyage podcast covers it all, offering tips and tricks for overcoming your struggles. While this lady-hosted podcast focuses heavily on women's issues, it's relevant for anyone who values self-improvement, equality, and badass inspiration. We all navigate this journey together. Welcome aboard. All right, we're here with Jeff. So Jeff Lewis is a visual designer who has cut his teeth as a part of an in-house design team and an agency working with clients of all backgrounds. He's created everything from logos to login screens, but he says the most rewarding work that he does is when it's simply talking about design with clients and peers alike. He loves typography and has an eye for detail and enjoys the process of creating unique designs and solutions for unique challenges. When he's not busy with all his wonderful design things, Jeffrey likes to spend time with his wife and their four children at their beach or in their backyard. Um, and a lot of his hobbies revolve in general around creative outlets and drawing and painting. And of course, his children always have some feedback to give on his logo designs, but they never pick the one that he likes the most. So sure. welcome, Jeff. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, Everything you said is true. Yeah, I, the, the logo design feedback thing is, is great because uh, my kids are, you know, they're naturally creative, right? Our family's creative and they, they're at that age, the older ones anyway where they have an opinion so i can go to them for honest straight to the heart feedback and it's um it's the most brutal feedback i get actually in, in my in most of my day so i appreciate that yes that no censored um they're definitely not tiptoeing around your feelings they're going to tell it to you straight mm -hmm. yeah and you know sometimes i actually enlist them to come up with some concepts for designs too so if they don't always get to be the ones uh putting me under the under the lamp, I get to sort of have them try their chops at design. And uh, when the tables are turned, they, they usually run, run and scream in the other direction, just like I would like to. <laughs> they get the easy out. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Oh, gosh. Well, so for our listeners here, the mermaids, we had just kind of talked internally. We've been doing a lot of optimization work with our clients right now to update some design. Um, and it was just kind of at the top of our mind that we thought it would be a great time to bring our own designer, Jeff, on board to have a conversation about some of these recent updates that are happening. So I just want to dive in, Jeff, and ask, like, what are some things that you're doing differently from a few years ago? And how would you say that they're influencing your design goals today? That's a great question. And I, and I, I have been at Impulse Creative now for probably four and a half years. So I have seen sort of the different phases of these client relationships and that's kind of given me a really unique perspective um so I, what i'm doing differently maybe not too many things but i think when when we think about this sort of optimization mindset right this continuous improvement if you will uh you might have heard the term growth driven design right folks who are returning to us for for things like this um you know the biggest change that's in has happened in my process is that i have a narrowing lens Right, so uh, 
whereas maybe some of these clients came to us two years ago, three years ago for a, you know, an entire website redesign. Uh, and, and many of them, they needed it at the time. So for me, now that they're coming back, they're getting to say, like, look, we want to rethink this piece, right? It could be the form on the contact page. It could be how testimonial is getting incorporated in a sort of a unique and interesting way. Um, and I think, I think that those optimization projects just allow us to be, as practitioners, allow us to be a little more focused on a specific area. And so when we think about, or when I think about like my goals around that, I really think about just like, how can I improve my own process and make it quicker so that the next time a larger website design project comes aboard, it doesn't feel daunting or doesn't feel like it's a lengthy process, right? The reward is great in one of those larger website design projects because you're rolling out this new thing and everybody on the team is, gets to see it and all your customers get to see it. Uh, but it is a longer process. So I think the optimization work is fun because it's quicker, albeit less fanfare. You don't notice some of the little tweaks that we're making to an individual page or an individual sort of piece of functionality. Um, but for me, it's a real treat because it allows me to sort of assess my own work, especially on a website that I was a part of two and a half, three years ago. I get to sort of reassess how I came up with the solution or why I came up with the solution. So it's, I think it's just like a continual sort of self-improvement as well as an improvement on a website. And it's the sort of mirrored uh, process that I'm, I'm really enjoying. Jeffrey, yeah, sorry. Um, how do you know when it's time for like a full page redesign versus a full site redesign versus a little kind of on page optimization of a form or a CTA or something like that? What are some good indicators of those different degrees of change? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, it really depends, I think, on the analytics, right? Are people coming to the website? Are they using the website? Are they filling out the form? And any number of tools that we use in our processes from Google Analytics to some of the analytics that are built into a platform like HubSpot um, can sort of paint that picture for us, right? There's other tools that you'll want to look at too, like heat mapping to see like how people are actually hovering and navigating with their mouse on a page. But just very quickly glancing at the analytics and where people are going to on your website, where they're spending the most time, that could be a good indication of where you should start for thinking about one of these optimization projects. Got it. So how, what might you look for um, in analytics to know like, mm -hmm. ooh, this, I can make a small change here versus, oh, my entire site's not working correctly. Right, so I think you like, let's say you saw like a lot of time on page, but there was no conversions, right? There was no conversion happening. So there's people spending time on the page, so that tells me the page has the information they're looking for. There's something missing, some sort of call to action or next step, something that's sort of blatantly obvious that this is the item that we want you to click on, right? So it can be something like that. Thinking about the positioning of a form, right? If you have a longer page of content and that form's all the way at the bottom, well, you see that time on pages is pretty nice and they're spending some time looking at the content, but they're not converting then maybe it's time we just sort of do a little testing, A-B testing or, or taking that form or that CTA call to action and moving it to a different piece on the page. So a lot of it is just looking at the data and sort of factoring a couple different data points against each other and then testing, 
that you don't, without the research and the testing, you're not sure if anything's really going to work. Totally. And I'm often famous or infamous, depending on who you ask, for saying crazy things like, I know this doesn't look the best, but sometimes ugly CTAs work, right? Sometimes right. the thing that doesn't just blend in with the page and look really tight um, performs really well because it stands out, right? right. Because, because it doesn't fit, it might do better than something that fits perfectly. And it's this tension between what looks good and what works well. How do you balance those different things in your design process? Well, I'm, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear you use the word ugly when talking about design because uh, I do not co-sign with that. But I know I get what you're saying, I, right? That, not everything feels like it has to fit in with the brand. There could be something that sticks out, but it's a good, it's a good question. Uh, sometimes that, that balance can be found on really ju a judgment call or a preference check, right? If you can kind of convey that story of, maybe this doesn't need to look like everything else on the page. You can convey that story to a client and have that, you know, get that buy-in from the stakeholders on the other side. I mean, we can all want to make these changes ourselves, but really I think finding that balance just comes from having those kinds of conversations, you know, more than just an email, more than just, um, you know, a message over Slack, like this kind of face-to-face -face interaction. Um, and as a designer, I have the sort of the, fortunate ability to show and not tell, right? So if I think something should be a certain way and I want to tell you what I'm talking about, I'm going to show you with a mock-up or a quick, you know, a quick comp that will allow you to sort of see what I'm talking about and maybe seeing it in my way. So balancing between the sort of utility of something and the beauty of something is, that's, central, that's like the central theme of what my career is about. Because um, we want it to be usable, but we want it to be beautiful. Beautiful can obviously mean the brand, but usable can obviously mean revenue, right? Having yeah. someone to be able to convert. So that balance is, it's an age old question and that's hard to <laughs> sort of uh, answer. Yeah, what do you think are the, um, the most important design principles that you're drawing on lately in your kind of more UX based design work that marketers should think about and know about? That's um, interesting because, right, some of these design principles are basic art principles, right? Balance, contrast, um, value, things like that. And I would say that contrast is probably one of the biggest ones that I use in my work. I mean, it can be this, the difference between a large headline and a small headline in the body text to improve the user experience, to be able to scan the content on the page. To you know, jump from headline to headline, or even bullet point to bullet point. Right? All of those things. Whenever you treat type differently, when you go into your word processor and click bold or italic, right, you're creating contrast. So that can be the only optimization you need to undertake on your page. And with tools that we have in our hand, we don't necessarily always need to turn to you know a complete overhaul development process. Uh, we can go in and update a page or, or sort of restructure the content. To feature some of that contrast, and I think too, it's not just an application, you know, not just a principle that we can apply to type, but we can apply it to sections, right? Having a section that's a darker section or a lighter section, or having the page maybe go from light to dark as you scroll, right? These little tiny visual tricks to sort of complement the content, complement the story, and sort of draw the user's sort of attention and eye through things. So contrast, I think, is a big one. 
Uh, and then I think balance, sort of space really, white space, you hear that a lot, right? Making sure that the items and the elements and the functionality on the page has enough room to breathe. I think there's a tendency to want to fill up all of the space all of the time. And I, and I think what happens then is that it, your website tends to look like a Wikipedia article rather than you know, some usable, fun, interactive, informative sort of um, experience for the user. So knowing when to let your content breathe and just giving your, you know, all of that beautiful content, video, headlines, photos, space um, is always a sure thing. I'm curious, are there like some design trends that are happening specifically in 2020 or in the last like year or two that people are coming specifically wanting? that maybe are cool or, but maybe you have to push back a little because for whatever reason, they don't have good legs in your mind. Like it is going to be a passing fad or. Um, you know, I think we, I have a great sort of anecdote. We had a client recently who, who did want to have some, some pizzazz, some pop. I can't believe I'm a designer. I use the word pop. They wanted to have some pop on their website, but they also wanted to think about page speed. Right, so then it became a, a conversation around trade-offs. Right, we can make this happen. This video can can dance and follow the user and do these things, but it's in direct conflict with your goal of wanting to have a, a faster just website experience for your users all around. So there are there's sort of that balance that I'm seeing as far as a trend. It's not I wouldn't necessarily say it's a design trend, but I do think people are especially in the post-COVID-19 world where we're seeing the word pivot pop up a lot, I think clients are a little more savvy and they're wanting a little more uh, intention behind their design choices. And they're thinking not just about how their brand looks on the internet, but also how their users are going to get from point A to point Z and all of these things. So I think it's that there's a trend less so in design and really just a trend in an expectation around, you know, every piece of it needs to be thought out. If we're gonna be spending, you know, our, our hard-earned marketing budget on a website design or a UI or, you know, user interface or some sort of user experience, we want it to be sort of focused, laser focused and really thought out and planned out. So I don't know if that's necessarily a trend, but I do think that we're seeing people be a, a little more informed of what they're looking for than just saying, I want a brand new website, right? I, don't, I think those days are gone. And I think it's great. Because like I said, as practitioners, we constantly look for that kind of uh, challenge. I think challenge is a good word to use right now too, because with everything with post COVID, we have more clients coming to us with more restricted budgets than ever before mm -hmm. because marketing was the first thing to get cut it's probably going to be the last thing to return to full capacity mm -hmm. so i guess in that regards we want some listeners to be able to take away some like quick wins or like refresh ideas that they could do now despite the fact that they might not have the huge budget for a brand new website like they envisioned yeah, so absolutely. are there some advice that you have for somebody that might only have whatever their threshold is like a couple grand which really doesn't feel like a lot for them to work with yeah. um, are there some quick wins that you have usually i think it goes back to this this idea of optimization 
right? I think it, they should maybe approach their website to like, what piece can we improve now? So don't try to bite off more than you can chew, right? Dial back some of those ambitions. I think we're all sort of dialing back our ambitions and our expectations a little bit. But that doesn't mean we should sacrifice, you know, some of the, the opportunities that exist on a website for us to generate you know, revenue for our, for our business, right? So these optimizations that we've been talking about, um, I think that that's a good way to approach when you start thinking about your website design and what you want to change. And some of those could be really just looking at some of your, you know, your, your meta description, some of that SEO, that search engine optimization stuff, right? How your images are named, how, how the, the paid, the meta description that shows up in the Google search results is written, right? It's little things that you can probably spend a few hours on uh, a week to sort of go through your website and look at all of that content, either on your own if you've got the bandwidth and you've got the know-how or with an agency, right? So I think that there's little things like that. I think from a visual standpoint, I think people need to update the images that they use on their website on a more sort of frequent basis, monthly, quarterly. You know, you're not readily messing with, with headlines and changing some of that rich SEO value that you've created, but a background image can be updated, especially if you're using something that's like a static, static image in a hero space on a homepage, right? If you're not using one of these um, videos or sliders or something like that, think about keeping that image updated on sort of a regular basis, right? We, we create ourselves a social media calendar. Why not do one for like the imagery on our website too. Just include that as one more task that you can do, a background image here, an image in the content here. Um, and, and I think these are some basic tweaks that you can do to make it feel like you're keeping your website fresh. But then on the SEO value, thinking about how you're really sort of keeping that content under the hood sort of polished up and, and ready for searching engines. Yeah, I think that's certainly like a unique look at design. I would have never even really thought something as simple yet profound as that to kind of be swapping out images or even you just saying that made me think of updating videos more often, maybe like changing the videos that they have embedded in there. It's not a direct design change per se that you need a designer to do, but it is enhancing the page visually and mm -hmm. making it more engaging and stimulating. And I think is definitely something to keep in mind for a free update <laughs> per se not having yeah. to invest in costly design changes very cool well besides like swapping out images what's like one or two um, pieces of like design advice that you would have for someone that's looking to create a different sort of value in their website in a few days or by next week like a quick mm -hmm. change they could do I, I, I sort of piggybacks off your last question a little bit around like if it even is a design suggestion and I think it is, but I, uh, I mentioned contrast earlier, right? So contrast on the page, whether it's color or sections. And I, I really think that's something that folks can do. They, you can go in and, and look at your content. If you've got one of these pages, that's just a, a wall of content, right? No breaks in the page, uh, lacking headlines. Think about, creating little bits of headlines. Think about it as like a fun exercise for creating taglines because those headlines are gonna help your users scan the content. So it could be taking an old blog article and realizing this needed subheads, 
or taking a service page and realizing this actually could be its own section with a different background color. So again, I think it's just looking at it with a second, you know, second set of eyes. Right? You, we looked at the website, we launched it. It was, for all intents and purposes, it was a home run, this whole new website got rolled out. But now let's go back and take a look at things. Uh, again, either on our own or with, you know, with the help of an agency like Impulse Creative, right? But those little things, adding some headlines to, to sort of break up your copy can be something that creates that visual contrast, but also helps aid the user experience, making it more scannable. And then I think too, like those headlines are gonna be great for mobile because people scroll on mobile and where they're gonna stop is gonna be on these headlines that are contrasted from the rest of the text on the page. So that helps them skim the content quicker. And if we're thinking about desktop, try using maybe columns for your layouts where there's longer bits of content split into two columns, give that section a nice background color, and then all of a sudden your page feels like it has a facelift and you've really only spent 10, 15 minutes making an update that, you know, didn't cost you anything. Yeah, I mean, I feel like for even some users out there that might not even have a dynamic mobile-friendly website right now, this could be a really great time for them to focus on that kind of design. Um, especially, I mean, <laughs> we all know how much we rely and use our cell phones, but the, the data shows it that more people are just on mobile now. Yeah. And if you're not, if your website isn't mobile-friendly, Google might not even ser serve it. They're just kind of like done with that at this point. Right. <laughs> Yeah, um, Jeffrey, I actually had another question. We were talking about, you know, kind of giving pages and the website in general, like quick little facelifts. I, you know, work with graphical CTAs a lot on like client pages and stuff. And I'm just wondering if there's like specific placements on different pages, like a product page or a blog post, you know, where do you see like those CTAs being the most impactful and where you would recommend like placement of them if someone wanted to implement something like that? I mean, it's a great question, and I think that that's always the one thing that we're trying to, right, when we talk about analytics, that's the one thing we're trying to, or heat mapping, we're trying to keep track of and, and take a look at. Uh, and I think that there's, you know, not every CTA has to be a graphical banner, a visual banner that's quote-unquote ugly and stands out from the page, uh, right? Some of the CTAs could be a, like a text-based link or a button. I think CTA becomes this catch-all term when we think of it that way. You know, call to action can be any sort of next step. So let, let's use a blog article, for instance. I think a blog should actually have a couple different sort of CTAs. They could be thinner graphical CTAs that maybe break up the article, but not too much that the, the reading experience is hindered. It could be the gra you know, a, a larger banner CTA at the end of the article, like you read this, now do this. Or they could be text-based, where maybe you use sort of like some formatting that looks like a pull quote, which you're linking to an article or you're linking to another piece of content. Uh, and that kind of just gets placed after the intro or right in the, after the second paragraph. Um, and then of course there's the buttons, using, using buttons because that's one of those sort of tried and true visual elements in website user experience that most of us understand if you click on this item, it's going to do something next or do something else. Right, so I think that the page, the, the CTAs and what you're placing on the page has to sort of be equivalent to where your visitor is in their sort of buyer's journey, right? If they're in a discovery mode, 
if it's a more informational page, let's think like a, a pillar page that has a lot of different, you know, a lot of content on it. We'll want to put a CTA there that goes to the next step, but isn't like this like heavy lift, like contact us, right? So we can get away with putting more little things on the page, like download this or continue reading here. And by using these different graphical CTAs or text-based CTAs or button-based CTAs. And, and really, you know, like the form itself, where we capture folks' you know, information, that I would save probably for more of a service page or like that bottom of funnel decision-making type of page, right? We have all of those pages in our website from the informational, like the, the discovery kind of phase of someone's buyer's journey all the way down to the decision-making stage. And so the, the CTA that you place on the page or how many to sort of match where that user is in their experience of discovering a solution to their problem. Um, there's never, I don't think there's ever like really a, a, you know, one size fits all approach to how to place CTAs on a page. And I, I really think it's just something you need to experiment with um, and really think about like, what is the complexity of the ask? that you have on your website, right? And, and think about it too from like the client's sales cycle. How long is their sales cycle, right? I think for like a service, like someone goes to look up a plumber or a landscaper or something like that, it's pretty straightforward what they're looking for. So your CTA should be sort of front and center contact us. But if it takes a little more explaining than this longer pillar page around some complex algorithmic sort of, you know, offering that your business has, then the CTAs shouldn't be as pushy because you're still trying to educate the user on, on what it is you do or what it is you offer. So it's really balancing the type of content and, and then figure out where to place CTAs from there. Yeah, that's so, uh, that's so true. And you made a lot of great points there. And something that really kind of stuck out to me is the difference between um, identifying a uh, like a problem or a need for somebody versus just trying to get them over the finish line, right? Like with services like plumbers, uh, landscapers, whatever, um, they already know that they have the need. That's why they found you, right? So you're trying to like make sure that you can identify them with them, that you can complete the service that they need versus something like, you know, um, digital marketing. It's a lot more like pre-education involved. Right, yeah, a lot, a lot more lead time like leading up to yeah. give them a few paragraphs before you hit them with an offer. Right. Whereas, you know, something that's kind of straightforward and black and white, the offer could be right next to the content. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Thank you. I don't know if anybody else had any questions. I just really enjoyed listening to all of this. <laughs> that was so For sure. No, this is fun. I, I mean, like I said, in, in the, Jim had pointed out my uh, bio that I, I love just talking about design. Sometimes it's more fun than, than actually crafting something or doing the design. Um, sometimes it's much more fun, but for the most part, I still love to, you know, get my hands dirty and design things. But when you get a chance to sort of stop and reflect and talk, this stuff's kind of great. So I appreciate you guys inviting me on and, and asking me some questions. I have one final question. What do you do when you have like a design block? Ooh, it's a good one, right? I mean, I think what anyone would do maybe, right? Turn to, uh, to TikTok or Instagram and just scroll on forever until you realize you've wasted an hour. Um, 
No, I think, you know, I think it's just kind of stepping away. It's turning it off. Um, I, you know, friends and family are always like, can you design a logo for me? Can you, I have a flyer for church, you know, whatever, you know, whatever exact, you know, thing they have going on. And for me, at the end of the day of a full day of work, it's like the last thing I want to do is be on the computer, right? Is be in front of the computer looking at the screen even more. So I think when I have that design block during the day, it's about removing myself from the electronic distraction, picking up a book that maybe doesn't have anything to do with design, right? Just exercising my brain in another way. Um, and then obviously sleep always helps. I have woken up in the middle of the night and sketched logo concepts before because I was, I was, I was just too excited and I woke up and, and had an idea, right? It's like journaling before you go to bed or any, anything like that. So I think it's just, it's detaching more than anything. It's, it's like my tactic for, or sort of refreshing myself and, and getting back to the, the grindstone. I love that. It's kind of this weird thing too of like having faith that even when you are resting, your mind is like not in a complete restful state. Like your mind right. was dreaming and still trying to problem solve while it was restoring itself. And I think it's just having that like forgiveness or maybe not forgiveness is the right word, but that trust in yourself that like the yeah. idea will come at the right time when I'm not trying to force it, you know. Sometimes it is at two in the morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And for the for the record, that two in the morning sketch didn't didn't pan out. I mean, oh. I, just, I, I tried to make it work, and after looking at it, I was like, wow, I really should have stayed asleep. <laughs> Sometimes that's how it works, but maybe yeah, not. Right, right. Like springboarded another idea. Maybe you're like, yeah, oh, yeah. it's not quite white, but this one element of it. Okay, next day with a fresh head and some caffeine, I can actually create something. Exactly. <laughs> I'm yes. proud of. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Jeff. I think that we're all kind of feeling a little inspired to uh, make some quick wins and re-optimize some stuff this year. And I hope that our listeners are feeling the same way. And who knows, maybe we'll have you back on later for like another design update. But until, it, yeah. until then, thank you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being here. And um, until next time. Sadly, that'll do it for this week's episode of Maiden Voyage. We'd like to thank you, our amazing listeners, because let's face it, lady life is hard. It's incredible how much we accomplish every day, and we all deserve awards just for existing. If you're watching the show, make sure that you subscribe, click on that thing for instant notifications, speak your mind in the comments, and share us with your fellow voyagers.